Welcome to the Appalachian Baptist Network. We seek to equip, encourage, and engage pastors and church leaders in the Appalachian region. We focus on having conversations on church revitalization in the mountains and beyond. Your hosts are Matthew Jacobs, Brent Snyder, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Welcome back to the Appalachian Baptist Podcast Network. Uh, I'm your host, Brent Snyder. I am joined today by several co-hosts. We have Matthew Jacobs with us once again, uh, Jaron Street, Jacob Gwynn, and Travis Tyler. Travis is uh, typically our host, but but he's had some ministry things come up today, and so uh, he's sort of just joining in on on his uh, on his phone here, and uh, and he's just gonna he's gonna help add some content uh, today rather than uh, rather than uh, driving the train for this motley crew as he uh, typically does. Uh, today we are going to be following up on last week's episode where we had uh, began talking about uh, church culture, uh, really an introduction to church culture, the importance of it, and how we begin to understand it. Uh, Today, guys, we're going to spend some time talking about particular church cultures, especially in Appalachia. Um, There are uh, are several different, um, I I guess you could say, categories of church culture. Uh, We'll just jump right into it uh, today with, uh, we're going to really focus on on three that that I think we all agree are really primary or uh, or more popular, I guess, is, is a decent way of saying it here in Appalachia, the family reunion church, the uh, soul winning church, and the classroom church. We're going to focus on those three, and then, uh, and then towards the end, we'll, we'll just briefly cover a few more, but we'll, we'll talk about really the end goal for any of our church's uh, culture as well. Uh, so let's jump right into it uh, with the family reunion church. Uh, the family reunion church uh, could be sort of defined this way. Their unifying value is fellowship. Really, the role of the pastor is more of a chaplain uh, than it is anything else. The role of the people are siblings. Uh, they're, they're family, hence the family reunion church. Uh, the key emphasis in the church is to belong. A typical tool that they use is potluck. God bless potlucks, right? Amen. Um, <laughs> the the desired result of a family reunion church would be secure Christians, and then uh, one of the positive traits, because I think it's important that uh, that this is this is highlighted. Uh, one of the positive traits of this culture uh, is identity and roots, which is obviously something that fits in in the Appalachia church culture. So, uh, Travis, I'm just gonna gonna toss the ball over to you. Uh, Anything you want to comment or sort of frame up the family reunion church? Yeah, let me let me just say something and back up real quick before we go into all the categories and say this. There, each one of these types of churches has strengths and weaknesses. And so in the family reunion type church, I'll just kind of emphasize what the strengths are, and then I'll touch just briefly on the weaknesses. But in a family reunion type church, uh, I would – I would almost guarantee and bet that most of us had our starts in a family reunion style church. uh, If you started here in Appalachia and one of the great uh, things they do well is fellowships. They like fellowship, 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 and they love fellowships and they see outreach in terms of like fellowships. And like you said, a, a tool that is loved is the potluck. I think that the potluck, unfortunately, is dying out to some degree because of people just not 
learning how to cook and it's easier to just run down little Caesars or whatever, or go to the deli and grab something already made with uh, those that might be in a little bit younger crowd. So, you know, you'll, you'll commonly see this in an aged congregation. They, they like the, uh, there's an old hymn, my friends at the old country church. Have you ever heard that song before? Any of you guys know that song? Uh, but uh, anyway, it, uh, all right, is everybody still there? I can't hear anybody. Yeah, we're here. I've just never heard it before, man. <laughs> okay, just checking. Uh, and then, uh, uh, but, you know, that's kind of the idea. Now, the weakness of the Family Reunion Church is going to be, it's exactly what it says. You know, when you're in a family, um, I think in a family, everybody views everybody as kind of an equal. And so there's sometimes not really a first among equals. It's just more you know, um, the pastor is not necessarily viewed in the terms of a leadership role, but as a chaplain, you know, whenever a chaplain enters a room, what's a chaplain's job at a hospital, right? When you think of a chaplain, what, what do chaplains do? Typically. Hello? A chaplain just kind of goes in there to <laughs> just care for the family, visit the people, pray for them, and then roll on out and go to the next person. Like the role of the yeah. chaplain is not necessarily yeah it's, it's just kind of like a we're gonna bounce in pray check on you see if there's anything we can do for you and then kind of go on there's not a lot of in-depth uh connection a lot of times with the chaplain and the family at a hospital so not not really you know it's just more another family member not necessarily a leader not somebody that's going to be driving leadership initiatives which makes change difficult you know if you found yourself in a church that is a family reunion style church you're going to have to be borrowing leadership you know, you're going to have to be looking around and saying, okay, who is, because every, every family reunion has got either a patriarch or a matriarch, or they got both, right? There's a patriarch and a matriarch, right? And so if you don't find out and figure out who it is, and one thing I want to say about this, they may not be in leadership. It may not be somebody that's a deacon or a Sunday school teacher or anything like that, but there's that one person that most people are looking at when there's a business meeting vote that's a big deal on the floor. Then you need to figure out who that person is, and you better figure out how to work with that person if you're going to get anything done for the kingdom there. So, um, anyway, so I would say you're definitely going to have to be thinking about borrowing leadership, and uh, it's going to take a long time to kind of reform that culture uh, into something a little bit different. So, yeah. Anybody else want to add a comment to the family reunion church? Yeah, I think uh, one of the things about the family union church, I think is that, uh, you know, there is this key emphasis on fellowship and belonging, but I think one of the things that's, uh, that's unique about that is when you have new believers or new members that come into the church, um, it's really hard for that to be kind of acceptance and really hard for them to be kind of integrated into the life and the body of the church. That's one of the things I've noticed. I agree with that. I agree with that. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'll just say as we as we go over these uh as we go over these different types of church culture, you know, if especially if you're a pastor listening, but even just church leaders, um, you know, don't be afraid to to go ahead and say, "Yes, we are a family reunion church." Uh that's really what we talked about last week, a willingness to identify the church culture. Yes, we are this type of church or that type of church. Uh, because because really that is the the first step in being able to uh, change the culture of our church to where 
uh, scripture intends for the culture of our church uh, to be, I guess you could say. Um, and, and, and it helps you understand, too, what sort of uh, positive qualities, as Travis said, every, all of these church cultures have positive and negative traits about them, but it helps you identify the positive traits. Those are the ones you want to carry with you into the future as you uh, try to become, as you try to, uh, you know, sort of formulate your culture to a, to a more biblical culture, more biblically based culture. Uh, and then, of course, your weaknesses are the things that you want to want to do away with. So um, that's that's sort of an overview of the family reunion church culture. Let's move now. Uh, that's family reunion is, if not the most popular, uh, certainly one of the most popular, maybe accompanied by this second church culture, which is the soul winning church. Amen. Uh, to, to just give a <laughs> to just give a brief overview of the soul winning church, the unifying value is evangelism. The role of the pastor is uh, an evangelist, and, and to be more specific, I would say probably uh, viewed as the primary evangelist, if not the only evangelist in the church. Um, the role of the people is bringers. That means you, your, your job is to, to bring the people so that the evangelist can evangelize them. The key emphasis is to save. A uh, typical tool that is used, of course, is an altar call, one that most of our churches, if not all of our churches, are very familiar with in Appalachia. Yep. The desired result is people who have been born again, and the positive trait for this church is uh, the hearts of the lost. Uh, Travis, I'll toss it over to you first again. All right, I'll try to be as brief on this one as I can. I personally have never pastored a church that was like a pure soul-winning church, but I have seen them. Uh, I remember one time my home church, which was more of a family reunion style church, they had a guy that came from Virginia who was definitely a, a church that was a soul winning church. He brought like an entourage of people to the revival from Virginia to give him amens while he preached. Like I'd never seen anything like it. Like he had like a crew of like 25, 30 during this revival that were doing it. And, um, you know, I think in, in this particular setting, the strength of, a, of this type of a church is a concern for the lost. It is a concern for the lost. They, they're really concerned that people know Christ and that they hear the gospel. Now, uh, on the weakness side of it, I see a couple things. One is, like you said a minute ago, the people see their role as bringers. So at least, you know, they're going to bring them to church, but sometimes they need to see that not just bringing people to church is as important as um, and bringing them into your living room and, you know, loving on them where they are. Uh, and then the other thing that I would say about this culture, too, is that uh, as far as a weakness would go is going to be on the discipleship end. You know, we don't we don't just get people dunked and then leave them alone. Right. You don't deliver babies and just leave them in the in the and throw them in a room and say, good luck. Right. There needs to be some kind of strategic plan to get them to be reproducing disciples. But overall, though, um, I do really like the fact that they have such an emphasis on lost people coming to know the Lord, because let's face it, a lot of churches really struggle in that area. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, I think, uh, like Travis said, I mean, the intent, the desire is, is really one of wanting to, to reach churches. Um, it's just a model that might be be different than what, uh, instead of getting out of the church to reach people, it's trying to get people into the church. Yes. So I think uh, the, the heart and the intention is the right thing. It's just different methods. Yeah, and I, 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 go ahead. What were you going to say, Matthew? 
Would it be unfair to to categorize this as the Field of Dreams type church? No, you know, I don't think it'd be totally unfair because I think there's a sense in which they when the the Holy Spirit is going to operate on the church campus. So, like yeah. you know, if, uh, if we build it, they will come. And then we got to get them in here, and you know, I, you another thing you'll hear a lot in evangelism type churches, and that's you know is that you'll let they'll let people get up for testimony times like and they'll say well i i got up <laughs> i got up uh, i got up here about five weeks ago and that old devil got after me and i just went back to the truck and then i come back in here and i finally got set but if you'll notice a key in all those testimonies will be when the lord did the work i was on this church campus yeah, yeah um you know i think that uh that model as far as the soul winning church was a lot more popular uh, 15, 20, and even 30, 40 years ago, because I think there was some success there in that model, you know, years ago. But certainly you see that that model's not been able to sustain itself, uh, not in the way that it, it worked, at least as far as being able to bring people in the church doors, because people don't just – they don't come into the church doors like they used to, not as no. not as apt to, um, not lost people. Uh, whereas yeah. back when back when the crusades and revivals were were really a, a happening thing in our society and our culture, you know, it worked. You know, at least it got people there. But you just don't see that happening as much this day and time. No, and uh, there's a lot of reasons why um, why that's the case. But, yeah, I, I think that the mindset of we're going to do this event, we're going to have this service, we're going to do this thing, and the goal is if we, can just, if we can just get them in the building. And I think it's characteristic in Appalachia is we might not distinctly have what we would label as the classic soul-winning church here in Appalachia is we have a lot of that mentality of let's get them to the building, let's have the altar call. Because we cannot right. have a church service without the altar call. Prime example, we have a children's Christmas play. We've got to do an altar call at the end of it. When we do the cantata, we've got to have the altar call at the end of it. Because if, and the purpose behind, um, we might not verbalize it, but the heartbeat behind a lot of churches when we do these things is this is seen as an outreach and as a ministry. We're going to put on a show and get them to come. And if we get them into the building, then, then the pastor can present the gospel to them. And we'll have the altar call for them. Um, so, so I, I think a lot of ways, this is a, a, might not be the whole church might not sit at soul winning, but it's very much an underlining cultural trend in Appalachia to have the emphasis yeah. of bring them to the building. And if you build it, they will come. If you put on the show, they're going to come. If we can just get them in the building and the pastor present the gospel, people are going to get saved. Um, and that's not Matthew, necessarily the case. Yeah. Going along with what you just said, with putting on the show, another mark of a, this type of a church they will have multiple revivals a year. You will see them advertising like sometimes three and four. There's a church in our area, which will go unnamed, but it is known for having up to three and four revivals a year. Don't yeah, revivals, how can you revive something that's dead? Well, easy now, easy, right? We're, we're trying to be encouraging for pastors on here, right? So easy. <laughs> let's, not call, let's not call it yet. So it takes a lot of courage to shoot a dead horse sometimes, you know what I mean? But anyway, all right. Uh, so I, I think that to summarize this, this type of church up, they've got the right desire. See people come to the Lord. It's a methodology issue. 
right? Mm. You know, that's that's kind of the hang up here. So anyway. Yeah, but before we move before we move to uh, to the classroom church culture, um, you know, Jaron had made the comment that um, that that really the soul winning church was prevalent during the church growth movement and probably to a large extent aided in the church growth movement. Um, and, wow. and I think that a lot of I think a lot of pastors, especially in our area, rural context pastors, even if they don't realize it. In their mind, they think that the soul-winning church culture is the high mark. Like that's right. that's the mark that I should aim for. And and I would just I would just play off of what Jaron said. The reason this isn't the high, high mark, although there are some really positive traits, and it is a desperate heart for the lost. But the fact that the church growth movement was unsustainable is a reason why this isn't the high mark. And at the end, we're going to talk about how all of these positive traits play into what should be the high mark. Uh, but, but just be careful, not pastor, not to become the primary evangelist and not to have the high mark for your church culture, simply soul winning. Because as, as others have mentioned, as Travis mentioned, um, a failure to disciple after you evangelize will make, will make that church ministry, that church function, unsustainable yeah and i mean let's clearly just throw this one out real quick before we roll on if that's okay um is the bible does not say in the spiritual gifting areas he does not say and he gave one to be the evangelist right it's a gifting that he gives i mean and and we're not going to sit there the great commission and say and he gave the pastor the commandment to go and make disciples of all nations he i mean we see time and time again throughout the bible that the, the job of the pastor, if we go to Ephesians, is to equip the saints for the work of ministry. We yeah. are to equip the saints to carry out the ministry. What is the ministry? To make disciples, to evangelize, to share the gospel. The, the, the Spirit does not give that one single role to the pastor. And so I think that, that if, if pastors are listening to this and you're like, yeah, that's what we need to be about, remember your job is to equip the saints for the work of ministry according to Ephesians and the body as well as yourself it's supposed to be sharing the gospel on a regular basis. So let's move on to another one, Pastor Brent. Actually, that's, a, that's a great segue for the classroom church, right, Brent? Yeah, yeah, it definitely is. Um, so the classroom church, just to give a brief overview of it, um, the unifying value is doctrine. The role of the pastor is a teacher. The role of the people are students. Uh, the key emphasis is obviously to know. Uh, the typical tool that is used is a sermon outline. The desired result is educated Christians, and the positive trait is, of course, knowledge of the Bible. So uh, once again, Travis, you want to just uh, build off of that? In some ways, this is the opposite of the previous one. <laughs> so like in, in this one, discipleship is a big deal, and they do want people to be in the know. And we, we need to do a whole episode just dedicated to discipleship because we're not going to be able to cover it in this episode. But briefly here, let me say this. They're very good about making sure that content of Scripture is communicated clearly. And so they're, that's kind of their strength is the people hunger for the Word. They want to be in the Word. They're going to have more exegetical type preaching, you know, expository type preaching. Uh, but there is a weakness. And I did pastor a church like this in Indiana. The church I was at, it was a wonderful church filled with wonderful people. Everybody in there probably had the equivalent of a master's level education in theology but we really struggled to be on mission for Jesus. And so this is where the shortcoming of this type of church is, is 
we want to just kind of do holy huddles, get in these groups, study the word, study the word, study the word. But let's be honest, being a true believer in Jesus Christ is not going to end up being a holy huddle. You're going to have to put some hands and feet on that. Yeah, at our, you know, Minneapolis, when I, when I arrived, you know, this classroom church culture would, would definitely be uh, maybe the most accurate of these categories to define the culture of our church. And so um, it's something that we're trying to build off on as build off of as we uh, continue to, to, to try to transform the culture. But the, just the, just the way that I always describe this about our church is um, we, we were hungry for the word, you know, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. But the problem was we were, we were becoming obese in our knowledge yeah. because we were never exercising. You know, we were never right. exercising what the word was telling us to do. And so there's value in having a heart for sound doctrine and to be, to be students of the word, uh, but not to the extent that we neglect the doing of the word. So anyone else on classroom church? Yeah, I think, uh, when I, when I see this church, you know, I think there's, there's several churches that come to mind. I think of a John MacArthur style church where just known as an expositor and people are there and they listen and they're, you know, they're probably really great with, with doctrine, but, but, you know, you know, and I think there's, that's great. Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, you know, I oftentimes think of a church like this and my, my initial thought, uh, is the church of Ephesus there in the, uh, in revelation two about how, uh, you know, they, they knew the right doctrine. They knew the right things. They had a hatred for, for heresy and things, but, but they lost their first love. Mm. And so I think sometimes there can be this, this leading into, I don't want to say legalism or, or pharisaicalism or anything like that, but, but I think it can get so much of a love for doctrine and teaching that you lose kind of that discipleship aspect of intimacy with the Lord, or like I said, exercising your faith and, and being missional. Yeah. Yeah. So, so in my my history, uh, the classroom style church, with the exception of one, has literally been every church that I've been a part of. Um, where it's a church that has really great expository preaching. Um, people are going to show up. We want to hear the word. We want to be fed. But um, and it, it changes within some, some degree. Some some of the churches have been going outside of its doors and trying to apply what they've learned but for the most part is brent i think that was a beautiful analogy used there for minneapolis that you were um that y'all were learning and learning and learning but you'd become obese because you weren't exercising that what you'd learned um and i i think that's typically the case in, in every one of the, the churches i've been in it's very much a classroom-based church we want to learn we have a hunger for the word we want to be educated but we don't leave the we don't leave the walls of the church and and uh or you, or you think that a class is what lost people always need. It's like the the toolbox for the classroom church is always a class, right? So mm-hmm. like you know, uh, every everything's a, it's just like having a hammer when you need a precision wrench. You know what I mean? So like, uh, I can remember people thinking that well, we're going to have another Bible study and that's really going to reach people. Well, you know, sometimes lost people aren't really interested in the class at first. Depending so what on you're where saying is if we want to reach a demographic that doesn't go to my church, that I don't need to have a, dem- a Bible study class for that demographic. Well, you know, <laughs> it depends, but probably not as an initial. No. So <laughs> ruining my you know, day. Whenever, whenever, uh, you know, the, uh, the Ethiopian eunuch was trying to make sense of the scriptures. Uh, you know, he didn't say, all right, we're going to do a 13 week Bible study. And at the end of it, 
you know, you're going to, I know, right. You're going to be able to know what to do. Right. That's not, so that would be like the mistake. So like the, if the, if the class, you know, if the, uh, the family union church, they just want to have a potluck and want all the lost people to come. The, the soul winning church just wants them to be on campus and hear the gospel and have an experience. And in the classroom church here, they want you to go through a 13, 14 week series and then you'll know Jesus. Right. So anyway, <laughs> all right well i, I want to just i'm just going to briefly overview just a few more uh different types of church culture these types are definitely less prevalent in uh in in the, in the appalachia region um the the first one i'll touch on here is the experiential church i would say this is more of a charismatic type church the unifying value is worship the role of the pastor is worship leader uh, the role of the people, of course, would be worshipers. The key emphasis is to exalt. A uh, typic, uh, typical tool that would be used in these churches is uh, liturgy. Um, a desired result would be committed Christians, and um, a positive trait of these churches is uh, vitality. Definitely definitely fewer of these, although there are still some experiential churches in, in our region. Uh, just just to move on and, and cover a few more of these uh, quickly. Matthew, do you, you want to add something quickly? Okay, good. good. Uh, <clears throat> the, the, the next one I'll cover is the social conscience church. Uh, unifying value there is justice. The pastor is viewed as a reformer. Uh, the people are, uh, their role would be recruiters. Uh, the key emphasis is to care. Uh, they typically use <clears throat> petition as a tool. Um, their desired result is a disciple, um, a, uh, and then a positive trait there would be would be growth. Uh, or excuse me, I've, I've, the desired result is activists. The positive trait would be uh, compassion for the oppressed on mm -hmm. on that one. Um, and then the life development church. Is before the you last before one. you jump there, yeah. define what you mean when you say the typical tool is petition. Uh, I, I, I would, I would, I would view that. I mean, anyone else can jump in here, but I would, I would view that probably as uh, petitioning the community, petitioning the people that you uh, associate with to join in on your calls. Going door to door, getting them to sign petitions yeah. for local congressmen. You know, they think yeah. they've, they've equated that to and elevated that to the work of, you know, gospel work and church work. You know? yeah. 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 Just wanted to stop on that one for a second because some people might be confused and thinking, oh, they're just going to the Lord in prayer or something. So I just Not to... necessarily, yeah. no. That, yeah. There might be prayer involved, but I don't think that's mm -hmm. necessarily the main tool. So, yeah, I think that's a, that's a good point of clarity. All right, the last one that I'll cover, uh, life development church culture. Uh, the unifying value there is character. The role of the pastor is a coach. Uh, the role of the people is ministry. Uh, the key emphasis uh, really is to be. Uh, a typical tool that they'll use is Ephesians 4. Um, a desired result is, for this one, is disciple. And then a positive trait there is, is growth. So that's just a brief overview of, of some of the most prevalent church cultures. We don't have a lot of time here, maybe just, uh, maybe just about four or five minutes uh, to wrap up with. These are the types of culture that are, are prevalent in, in our churches. But, uh, but let's talk about 
what type of of culture does would Scripture have us aim for? I talked about the high bar a minute ago. What is the high bar? Um, I think to some extent we can identify this as a missional church, where the unifying value is missions. The role of the pastor is an equipper and also an example, someone who is doing what they are equipping and calling the people to do based on God's word. The role of the people are missionaries. The key emphasis is to go. The typical tool is the Great Commission, but specifically is contextualization of the Great Commission. We talked about the need for contextualization in, a, in the last episode. Uh, the desired result is to bring the church to the unchurched, so the church getting outside of its walls and the church actually going to the people rather than expecting the people to come to the church. And the positive trait there is Great Commission-focused. Now, um, I think that, that we should consider all the positive traits of the previous cultures that we've talked about and, and sort of work to group all of those together, although our churches aren't going to be strong in all those areas, but uh, at least pursue some measure of strength in all of those areas for the purpose of becoming a missional church. Uh, I'll open this one up for anybody who just wants to comment on sort of how we move our church from whatever culture we have now towards a missional church culture. Yeah, I think uh, um, that we have to understand where we are in order to know where we need to go. And you really have to understand where you want to go before you take off, right? So uh, we borrowed a lot of this stuff from, uh, I'm going to give a plug right now for the book, Look Before You Lead, which he emphasizes the importance of this. Uh, and then once you figure out where you are, once you figure out where you're going to go, you, you need it. What I like to tell my staff to do and my leaders to do is I, I try to think of where I want to go and then I work backwards. So, you know, what, what, what are you going to try to do to try to get them to a point of mission? Let's say you're in a soul winning church where the emphasis here is going to be all these revivals and coming to campus and, you know, it's got to happen on the campus. Well, maybe you do your, one of your events in the park. You know what I mean? You, you do a step to get people out of the idea that they're commonly used to, you know, and sometimes it's baby steps. Don't expect big leaps, particularly in Appalachia. Uh, you know, <laughs> I don't know, Pastor, what kind of situation you're in, but I, I'll tell you this. Remember the snake law, right? And the snake law is this. If you ever find yourself in a snake pit in one of these scenarios, don't make any sudden movements and jerks, right? <laughs> you may need to go slow and this make those like steps. like a nightmare. Yeah. Well, you know, when the difference between revitalization and replant and, uh, you know, implant is you're trying to reshape a culture versus creating yeah. culture. So you yeah, just got to realize hard. that some, some, some churches aren't going to be able to make it all the way, but they can certainly do a lot better than where they are now. Yeah. And I think to some degree, when you're, when you're looking at this, so many of our churches in Appalachia, um, I would hope are realizing that, and some might, some, some people probably don't have a clue what's going on um, in, in the sense of what we're doing is not working. Um, but I, I think in Appalachia, so many of our churches are, we've just got to get them to the building. Right. We just got to get them there. And I, I think a way of starting that, and I think that's a great, great way of you, you putting that, Travis, is, is we've got to start with small steps of getting them away from the building. And I think small steps, and there was a prime example um, with one of our clusters here in Avery County did this past summer, was they did an event away from the building when it came to VBS. They did a pool party. And the hope of the pool party is there's a lot of homes 
but around this new county pool that we have in Newland. And so they did the first night of VBS at the pool. I just yeah. invited people to come to the pool, hang out at the pool as a way of still let's get them somewhere, but we're not going to try to get them at our building because they're more likely to come swim than they are to come to our church at VBS. And so I, I think that is just a, a prime example of ways to start moving a church from whether it's the classroom church or the soul winning church or whatever, or the, the family reunion church of we're going to go do the potluck. We're going to, have a van we're going to have the outreach and just get them to come to the church or whatever it is or we're going to have this bible study at the church is start moving some of these things we do at the church outside the walls of the church so whether that is moving our bible study uh to someone's home whether that is having a worship service in the park whether that is having a picnic somewhere outside the building of the church but moving them away from the building out into the community um, I think is one way to move to, towards missional. Um, and th that's one thing I think that's been really hard for me um, is the church I was at for two years was a missional church. They did not have a building at the time. We were renting out a, a high school auditorium for the first year I was there. And then we were renting out an office space for our, our worship service on Sundays, the second year I was there. But everything about the church was let's bring the church to the unreached was the heart of every single thing that happened. And so and, moving, moving from that to back to a classroom style church, it's trying to, to start those conversations of let's get outside the walls. And that's a hard process. And let me, let me dovetail with that real quick here. I'm sure we're running out of time, but my dad would always say this. He's a great leader. And he would say, people will never change until they have a significant emotional experience. And even then the change may be temporary. You know, your church members need some kind of a significant emotional experience to motivate them to try some of this stuff off campus and give it a whirl. And I think that one thing you can do, if they can't envision lost people they can't see, let's say, what would it take to reach your daughter or your son? What would it take to reach your grandchildren? I think those, those are people that they see, they understand, and I think would, at an emotional level, be more willing to try something new to reach them. Yeah. Uh, Jacob, Jaron, you guys have anything to add to moving to a missional church culture before we close? Yeah, I think one of the key things that, you know, this has kind of been kind of in the background or anything, what you guys have said, but it, it takes time and you've got to stay there and you've got to plug in and it's got to take just a lot of slow, gradual steps to get where you're going. And so it's one of those things where I think, honestly, the encouraging thing for me is knowing that, uh, you know, this isn't going to happen overnight. We've got to work hard and uh, take our time and, and be strategic in that. I would say, I'd say it also takes repetition, um, thinking a great commission uh, and, you know, show from the text Sunday morning in, Sunday morning out, uh, where God is calling his people to be going, where God is calling the church to go and to make those disciples to uh, – to not be calling them, calling the unchurched to church, but as we have said, taking the church to the unchurched. And so preach it, teach it. And then uh, Brent, you had mentioned the goal of the pastor there here is not only to be an equipper, but also to be an example. And so that repetition of, of, of we've got to be doing, the pastor's got to be doing it too. So the church is not only hearing it over and over again, but they're also seeing it.
Yeah, absolutely. Um, but what both of these guys have said are common themes that you will hear us mention time and time again when it comes to church revitalization. That is patience and rep- repetition that needs to exist when trying to move your church to a missional church culture. And it needs to exist no matter what you're doing, whether you're acquiring buy-in, whether you're determining strategy, whether you're reacquiring buy-in, whatever you're doing, it's going to take patience and it's going to probably take repetition so that your so that your people are able able to get it. Uh, guys, I, I thank you for joining us uh, today on this podcast. I hope that this has been somewhat of a help to our pastors and church leaders as they begin to identify the culture of their church and uh, and, and hopefully has helped you begin to uh, figure out um, the high mark that scripture has set for your church's uh, culture and, and prayerfully uh, the Lord will, will lead you through the scripture so that you might lead your church uh, towards reaching that high mark whether you're, whether your classroom soul winning experiential family reunion social conscience or life development uh, prayerfully the Lord will use the positive traits that your church already has and uh, and redeem the negative traits if you will as he seeks to move you towards a missional biblical church so uh, thank you for joining us again uh, like us on uh, iTunes uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you get a uh, get a chance to to listen to us uh, weekly and hopefully find some encouragement uh, we hope you've enjoyed today's episode and we will see you next time you have been listening to the Appalachian Baptist Network thanks for joining us If you have a question or comment for our host, please send an email to AppalachianBaptistNetwork at gmail.com or send us a voice message on our Anchor website page at anchor.fm slash Appalachian-Baptist-Network. Join us again next Monday.